1: Welcome to the CORE here on American Family Radio. Glad to be with you today on the show. I hope each and every one of you enjoyed Matthew Marr yesterday. Matthew's hosted my show a couple times. Yesterday was time number two. And uh, uh, Matthew will be on tomorrow as well, hosting live tomorrow on Friday. Uh, So I hope you guys enjoyed him. Uh, Excellent uh, brother very talented and very knowledgeable so we appreciate him uh hosting this show he'll be in a little more frequently uh here on american family radio and uh, we're also looking at possibly uh giving matthew a weekend slot maybe for 30 minutes or an hour Uh, so matthew will be in town he'll be at our headquarters here in a couple weeks and uh, we're going to talk to him about that so he uh he runs what's called truth over trend that's the name of his ministry he's also a pastor in new jersey Uh, So, Matthew, uh, we appreciate him hosting the show yesterday. And once again, he'll be with you tomorrow. Uh, Jumping straight into our content for the day, we have some special guests in studio. We're having a Biblical Worldview Academy, Biblical Worldview Training today at our headquarters, one of our first of this kind that we're doing. And we're going to try to replicate this throughout the year and really just train the body of Christ in how to have a biblical worldview as it relates to the issues of our day as it relates to the issues of our day and it's so very important and you just can't have enough of it so that's what we're doing today this is our first ever and we're going to try to replicate this throughout the year well uh before we jump to our first guest i wanted to bring up a story i just couldn't do this show today without bringing this up and it is a story ironically out of the new york times and I, i i talked about this last year And if those of you who remember—and let me just encourage the audience here—we have to have—we have to work on our memory, all right? Enough of this forgetting what happened last week. We've got to have long-term memory, and we got to remember what the politicians did 10 years ago, all right? Because that's the only way we're going to make a difference in our country, is if we remember the terrible things these politicians did 10 years ago. If you forget, then you think Joe Biden's great, and then you vote for him again, and it's terrible. So we've got to remember— what these folks do well flashback to the election in 2020 and in about probably October of 2020 the Hunter Biden laptop story came out right New York Post breaks the story uh, there's an IT shop in Delaware I believe and the uh, uh, the laptop Hunter Biden's laptop has all this obscene material on it, all this explicit material half of which we can't even talk about on the show and immediately immediately Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Google, all these major platforms said, no, no, that's disinformation. They didn't even just call it disinformation. They said that's Russian disinformation. Uh, Vladimir Putin planted that laptop. That laptop's not real. So anybody who talked about the laptop online, anybody who published the New York Post story, all of that was just yanked down. I mean, one after another, it couldn't even be discussed. Well, we all knew the laptop was legit because of what was on it. And there was actually no counter evidence showing that there was anything fraudulent about the laptop. And it turns out today, the New York Times confirms the New York Post report that the laptop was legit. Because federal investigators are actually looking at the laptop now. Will anything happen of it? Probably not, um, if it's anything like previous investigations. But nonetheless, the New York Times confirms that the laptop is legit. It's legitimate. And you talk about election meddling 101 that's what the big tech platforms did they censored the story they yanked it down and they all knew it was true but it would damage Joe Biden and that's election interference right there that should count as like some kind of pack donation to, to Joe Biden by pulling down uh, that content and there were there were there were surveys done by Gallup and, and, and others after the election that questioned voters on had you known about the Hunter Biden laptop story how would you have voted And it's basically there was there was data indicating that the election could have gone the other way had the voters been properly informed about the Hunter Biden laptop. But instead, it was censored. It was blocked. And uh, and and New York Post was was uh, downgraded. And that story hardly got out there amongst uh, average independent voters. So uh, the Hunter Biden laptop is legit and uh, it is true. And The New York Times confirms it. Uh, But they're about 18 months late to the game. Uh, so that's what's happening today. I'm going to jump straight to our guest here. We have Philip Jaregi in studio with us. Philip's out of Alabama, out of Birmingham, Alabama. Philip, welcome to the studio.
0: Thanks a lot, Walker. I appreciate it.
1: So, Philip, uh, you and I met about a couple years ago. Let's just say that before I start trying to do the math. But we met a couple years ago, mainly during the, well, this actually started, if I remember correctly, during the Gorsuch, a little bit. You and I, uh, you worked with American Family Association some during the Gorsuch, but for sure during the Kavanaugh confirmation process, right. and then really in-depth during the Amy Coney Barrett uh, process, but tell our audience a little bit about your background, sure. uh, the group that you formed, and then what you're, what you're doing now.
0: Well, I want to tell this one little tidbit that goes back quite a ways, because it may be useful to some of the folks listening, but uh, Walker, I-, I was in college and had sort of gone back and forth with the Lord. I knew him, but I was walking with him and walking away, and it was a yo-yo experience. But God finally got my life turned around midway through my sophomore year. Mm. And I remember thinking, okay, I've always thought I'd go to law school, but now I think maybe I need to go to seminary. And the reason for that is because I'd been giving God second best all my life. And I struggled with that for a while, thinking probably seminary, until the Lord finally ministered to me and explained, no, for you, law school is what I have for you. Thank you for wanting to give me the best, but for you, law school is the best, but you can still use it for my kingdom. You can use it for ministry and the kingdom, and thankfully, that's what I've been able to do my whole Mm -hmm. career. Now, sometimes there's just boring law practice, but for the (laughs) most part, I've been very blessed in that regard. Um, The whole thing with reviewing judges for me started because in, in working in law, you litigate. I had the opportunity to work on the Ten Commandments case with Chief Justice Moore at the Alabama Supreme Court. We lost that case. We should have won it. We did win it, but the judge told us we lost it. Um, And then he was removed from office. And that was discouraging for me because I thought we had a real chance here to make a big difference. I mean, there were many things that lined up. Is
1: this the early 2000s or is this late 90s? That would have
0: been, yeah, 2003. Okay. And, um, after that, I thought, okay, well, now what? I'll keep litigating, keep doing these types of things. And one of the things the Lord explained to me, it's, it's very plain that thieves don't arrest themselves. And, and what he was explaining to me was that if judges are the problem, and they, they are in many regards, with regard, you know, Roe versus Wade, Obergefell, you can just go down the line and see all these groundbreaking policy changes in our nation, these massive shifts didn't occur in the legislative branch. They occurred in the court, and they were illegitimate. They were not just bad, immoral. They were illegitimate constitutionally. So if that's the case, why would we think that in litigation, when a judge is in charge, the judges are going to correct their own problem? Of course, there are many great judges and many great litigators. I'm not downing those who are litigating. Yeah, Alliance Defending Freedom go down the list. Wonderful groups but for me, it occurred, okay, there, there's another way that this needs to be addressed, and that's through judicial nominations and judicial accountability. So that was when I really entered into that part of my career.
1: And, and, and that's was uh, tell our audience a little bit how you formed sure. a judicial action group, uh, when that was founded, and, and kind of some of the major uh, nominees and the major work you've done, a couple of those sure. between now and then. So that
0: started back in 2005. There's a little bit of, I, I did some work for another group, but interestingly, Walker... Um, just realized this will be the eighth vacancy that we've worked on mm. uh, of the nine Supreme Court seats. Eight of them, we've worked on. The only one will be Thomas. Um, but sure, we worked on Roberts and Alito. We worked on uh, all of them since then. Gorsuch. Kavanaugh Barrett and now this present seat
1: yeah and one thing I want to get to, to for our audience here is Phillips flip Philip, Philip Draghi is here today he's in studio with me but he's here for our biblical worldview training he's gonna speak actually after the show um, on 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 having constitutionalist on the court uh, but folks for those who don't know some of you do but these the, the, the process of studying and researching Potential nominees to the federal judiciary system or the federal judicial system, are up and down the board. You have the circuit courts, you have the appellate system, uh, and you have the Supreme Court. You have that right; those three levels. That's right. Yeah. Uh, for the for the federal court system, well, it's not just hey, let's pick a name out of the hat. If you're the president, uh, these these uh, potential nominees have to be researched and vetted, and then recommended uh, by the White House Counsel, most most likely. To the president, and then the president appoints or or nominates uh, said uh, uh, individuals to the uh, federal judiciary. So what Philip has been doing with his group, Judicial Action Group, and then we'll talk about AFA Action here shortly, um, they have been researching these candidates. You've been talking about the Supreme Court um, uh, to make sure that we get quality people on the courts that fully understand the founding of our country, original intent, uh, so on and so forth. Philip? Um, Tell our audience about what was recently launched with our governmental affairs affiliate here, AFA Action, uh, with the Center for Judicial Renewal.
0: So I've had the opportunity to work with you guys just as allies over the last few years, and uh, Rob Chambers in particular. And Rob and I have worked together a good bit on the last – the nominations the last four years, last five years – And so as we've talked about things and you guys have thought about what you want to do down the road, this opportunity presented itself to start a new division of American Family Association Action or AFA Action, which is the Center for Judicial Renewal. And that's dedicated to the purpose of judicial renewal through judicial nominations, researching judges, um, setting criteria of really what are we looking for? Because if you just sort of set out and start looking, that's a little dangerous. You really need to know in advance what are the character qualities the principles that you're really looking for in a judge and so uh we launched that in uh well december but i guess officially in january Mm -hmm. and and it's a it's a great opportunity it's a great honor and i think we're going to see amazing fruit Um, yeah
1: yeah this this is exciting philip and uh folks when you when you donate uh many of you are probably already donors to american family association which is our uh Uh, the entity that that runs American Family Radio, which you're listening to, which I'm a vice president of, uh, but also we have AFA Action, which is our governmental affairs affiliate. Uh, Folks, and if you're looking for somewhere to donate, AFA Action is the place to go, and I'm not just saying that because I'm a part of it and Philip is, uh, but we are doing a ton of work there uh, to really steer this ship in the right direction, the ship being our country, uh, through various uh, avenues. So, uh, Philip is now senior counsel over at AFA Action. He's heading up. He's the director of Center for Judicial Renewal. Uh, uh, last thing, Philip, sure. uh, tell our audience uh, what the C- what CJR is working on right now.
0: Well, we're researching this present nominee that'll go into the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee on Monday, and that's Katanji Brown Jackson.
1: How's how's uh, it looking in in your initial research?
0: Well, it's it's um. It's not good. <laughs> the nominee is not good. Uh, we have a very, very, very high standard, and I think that's smart. You really want to set the bar high when you're looking. Um, there are some areas that uh, that there are some hopeful signs, but for the most part, big concerns. And matter of fact, just before we came in here, Walker, I saw that Senator Josh Hawley, probably my favorite senator, one of the best. He's on the Senate Judiciary Committee, mm. posted something about a very suspect record that she has. On sentencing child porn offenders, I saw that very entire. Concerning. I saw that
1: entire thread this morning. Yeah.
0: So, gosh, that's just that's very concerning. And of course, yeah. we we at Judicial Action Group we have opposed her. We're asking senators to vote against her, and we'll continue to do that. Um, and at the same time, praying for her. Should the Lord put her on the court, you know, we'll see what happens.
1: Yeah. But AFA Action, the Center for Judicial Judicial Renewal, will have a research paper on these nominees uh, not only for the administration to look at but also for the public to review uh, to know where these where these uh, nominees stand thanks philip for coming thanks, on
0: thanks walker appreciate it
1: all right folks some exciting things going on and i just want to encourage you today we still got 40 minutes left on the show but folks there are patriots there are christians in this country that are fighting for what is right and they're doing it day in and day out So be encouraged. We need you out there. We need our audience. We need our listeners. We need people to be informed. And we're going to be back on The Core in just a few minutes.
2: You shall not covet your neighbor's house or anything that's your neighbor's. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez said, an economic system that allows billionaires to exist is immoral. Someone may want to let the former bartender turned congresswoman know that the top 1% of wage earners pay nearly 50% of all federal taxes. The top 10% of wage earners pay nearly 70% of all federal taxes, and the top 20% of wage earners pay about 85% of all federal taxes. That money funds things like our national welfare programs. Don't let them entice you to harbor disdain
0: for the wealthy. Socialists bank on covetousness to gain support for their regressive policies. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
3: This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. If your girl plays a sport, you know the importance of strength and conditioning. Physical training is a key component to excelling in her sport. But have you ever thought about how spiritual training is just as foundational to her well-being? Spiritual training doesn't have to be as strenuous as physical exercise, but we should encourage our girls to challenge themselves to strengthen their faith the same way exercising would fortify her muscles. Tailor her spiritual training to her interests. She can watch faith-honoring documentaries on the history of the Bible, or cue up podcasts from faith leaders. And of course, reading the word is essential to any spiritual endeavor. Psalms reminds us, the unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls at RaisingGodlyGirls.com.
2: Hi, this is Steve Tiber with 8 Days of Hope. As many of you know, Hurricane Ida devastated Louisiana in August, making landfall as a Category 4 hurricane, leaving thousands of families in need of hope. Do you know it's been three years since 8 Days of Hope deployed on a rebuilding trip where we help hundreds of families rebuild their homes for free? But today I've got some exciting news. We're announcing that 8 Days of Hope 17 is going to take place in Laplace, Louisiana from April 9th through the 16th, bringing hope to those who are feeling hopeless. We're going to be doing roofing and drywall painting and so much more. If you'd love to use your gifts to serve those in need, go to our website, 8daysofhope.com. As always, it's free to volunteer with us, food and lodging are provided, and
1: again, if you're looking to be the hands and feet of Jesus, join us in April when we go to La Paz, Louisiana, during 8 Days of Hope 17. Again, for more information about this outreach or any arm of the ministry, go to 8daysofhope.com. That's 8daysofhope.com.
0: AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio.
1: Welcome back to The Core here on American Family Radio. Imagine if our leaders in this country were just as outraged about the genocide in China as they were about Vladimir Putin invading Ukraine. Can you imagine what we could do as a country if there was just as much energy against China and the Communist Party there as there was against uh, Vladimir Putin. But that's not where we are today. Um, and as, as, I re- as I watch the news, you know, that the, the war drums are beating, and a lot of the country seems to be on the war train. I mean, they seem to be applauding and, 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 and beating, uh, pumping their fist, and just giddy about war, which is really odd, really odd. And I, I just think a lot of our country is so detached from the real-life effects of war um, that it's almost like this game for some people, um, so we just need to, as a country, be very hesitant about this whole Russia UK- Ukraine situation, and uh, and be very leery and hesitant uh, to go to war with any country with Russia or whoever, uh, because once once America decides to go to war, folks, it's going to be a decades long situation, uh, trillions of dollars, thousands of American lives family's torn apart dad's gone mom's gone from home it, it's it's not a good thing uh, so all the people on twitter in the twitter world all the trolls all the the TikTok people who who uh who just say we need to go take down big bad putin folks it's not as easy as that it's not as easy as that um and we, we just need to really be careful about what we encourage our leaders to do and i also think it's very very irresponsible for senators like lindsey graham uh, to talk about knocking off uh, a world leader, uh, somebody assassinating him, and all this stuff. I mean, folks. Uh, and then Nancy Pelosi does a press conference and she says, "Yeah, yeah, we need to go. We need to go take out those tanks outside of Kiev, like like we're playing Call of Duty or something." I mean, folks, we're talking World War Three here. We're talking World War Three, and our leaders are just like getting excited about it. Why is war a good thing? War is being talked about as if it's some kind of good thing for the country, and it's not. America has so many problems, so many issues. Our foundation is crumbling, and our leaders that are supposed to be rebuilding this country are wanting to go thousands of miles away and rebuild another country and spend hundreds of billions and trillions of our taxpaying dollars uh, to rebuild a country far, far away. Uh, with no real guarantee of where this money is going to go. And that's why uh, I'm against sending hundreds of billions of dollars, tens of billions of dollars to Ukraine with no accountability. One of the most corrupt nations in the world is Ukraine, and we're about to send $20 billion into there? Where's that money going to go? Who knows? Um, And you talk to war vets and you talk to military experts and you talk to others who spent time in Afghanistan, Uh, the corruption in Afghanistan was rampant as well. Uh, A lot of wasted taxpayer dollars there. So... Our country just needs to take a long, hard look at what we've done in the past and where we want to take this country in the future, and whether invading or going into countries 6,000 miles away for a 30-year war is actually in the best interest of America. So that's my tidbit. That's my rabbit trail for today. Uh, Jamison Taylor's in studio with us. We have another guest with us. Jamison Taylor uh, has done a lot of work in the legislative affairs arena for the past uh, 10 or 15 years uh, but Jamison is now director of policy and legislative affairs for American Family Association and AFA Action. Jamison, welcome to the studio.
2: Thanks for having me on today, Walker.
1: So, Jameson, tell our tell our audience, just like Philip did, where you got into policy and legislative affairs, where you where that began in your career, and kind of where you are now.
2: Yeah. Well, really, God called me to it. I can say so. I'm an academic. I have a PhD in philosophy. Which means I like to sit at a desk. I'm pretty much happy talking to no one all day, uh, reading Plato
1: and Aristotle and whatever else. So you don't um, need to be on the show for like two hours. No, There's I don't. 15 I minutes don't need is to good. Be on,
2: yeah, that's right. <laughs> when, when I'm done, You know, this is enough. Um, but uh, the education that I have is unique, and uh, God called me into the sphere of uh, political activism. I'm a lobbyist, for instance, uh, at the Mississippi legislature, and through that, I've been able to do some really great things. For instance, spearhead the coalition to get Mississippi's 15-week law, which is now a 15-week abortion ban, which is now before the U.S. Supreme Court, uh, worked on legislation to pass the strongest religious liberty protections in the country in Mississippi. We were the first state to pass donor privacy protections, which protects Basically, uh, those donors, uh, people, just ordinary people who give, might give 50 bucks to AFA Hmm. to prevent their name from ending up on a website somewhere that, uh, you know, maybe a, a hostile state attorney general has released. So I've been able to do a lot of great things in Mississippi, but I'm excited to come on with AFA so we can take that model of what's worked in Mississippi and take that nationwide, work in multiple states to do similar things you know we were talking about the war in russia and the need to uh basically turn toward america mm. the Thing that was unique about america you had this um, french philosopher who came to america alexis de tocqueville mm. and what he said was amazing about the american system of government was that people were so active in their local communities they were you know just all all kinds of energy and activity at the time of the founding People were very involved in education. They were very involved in even helping the poor. You had churches that were doing things for widows and orphans. And There was a welfare state, you know, by the way, at the time of the founding. Mm. It was just limited to widows and orphans, not to able-bodied adults. So people doing all kinds of things, especially working through their churches. That is the kind of energy that we need again here in America we're seeing things like critical race theory they're filling the vacuum where Christians should be where Christians used to be yeah we need Christians to get involved and uh, what I'm excited to do is to work with AFA to give folks the tools so that they can do that
1: yeah and that that's a very good point on the welfare state and the welfare system you know and i'm not i'm not saying the body of christ has been on their a-game when it comes to caring for the needy. i'm sure i'm sure we can we can point out where we've fallen short of that as well but uh, the government government is hardly uh, the solution uh but right now you know even even as conservatives sometimes it's easy to point to we need another government program or we need another government agency uh, but oftentimes we just need a private sector or in this case we need charities we need churches uh, to do a lot of the work and and take that off the government uh but that's that's a challenge Jamison, and that that way of thinking of, of 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 less government more private sector really goes against what a lot the way a lot of people think nowadays yeah that's right and
2: you know again there's there's multiple avenues for people to get involved in their community obviously there, there's volunteering at a homeless shelter or a soup kitchen there's also serving on your school board there's also running for the legislature there's also just showing up at meetings. We have talked a lot today about the importance of showing up, and I can say that that is more than half the battle. Yeah. I work with a, a coalition here in Mississippi to roll back Obamacare when we had uh, state leaders here who were moving forward with that. We were the only conservative state that was trying to implement an Obamacare exchange. How did we slow that down? We start to show up at contract review board meetings. Now, I didn't even know what this I didn't even know this board existed <laughs> you know but th- this is a board that they basically they review state contracts and mm. no one ever go. no one goes to their meetings we started to go and we saw we had these these uh, vendors that wanted for instance two hundred thousand dollars to put some pictures up on the Obamacare exchange website we started asking questions oh, wait a <laughs> minute like I could do this, you know. Like this costs a thousand bucks. Why are we yeah. paying someone two hundred thousand dollars to do that? But by starting to ask those questions, by showing up, we defeated the Obamacare exchange. This is a, this is an example for the rest of the rest of the country. And there's so many other things. There are activists now. We heard from folks there working in Virginia. They started to go to their school board meetings, and mm-hmm. I mean, literally, what they have done has led to a revolution in Virginia of flipping that state from. Uh, blue to red.
1: Yeah, so t- sh- showing up is half the battle, Jameson, and I've told the audience here on the show, I've been to a couple, not many, uh, city council meetings in the last year or two here in, here in our local town, and and I'll go to some of these meetings, and some of them are like subcommittee. They're not the full council, uh, you know, traffic committee or some, so on and so forth, and there's like, there's like three residents there, and they're voting on pretty important stuff for the city. There's like three or four people there. And, uh, and that's not knocking on the city or the city council. That's just citizens just aren't showing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have 5, 10, 15, 20 people show up to a city council meeting. You can get a lot done. Oh,
2: yeah. I mean, 10 calls to one lawmaker is what it takes to move policy. That means 10 people. And, and we've heard about how Christians are not showing up at the polls. And I know, look, I know a lot of conservatives right now, they don't want to vote because they feel like the last election was rigged. They have questions about election integrity and there's certainly real questions related to that. For instance, the $400 million that Mark Zuckerberg uh, put into the presidential election, there are real questions about election integrity, but the answer is not to not vote. It's kind of like saying, well, the other team cheated and they beat us in the game. Well, you don't walk off the field. You, you go back, You go back to the gym, you figure out your strategy, you play better, you work harder, and you beat them the next time you play. And that's what we really need folks to do right now, to get energized, to get active, to get active in their local communities. You know, I I pray for the folks in the Ukraine. I pray for folks in Afghanistan and other places where they have really severe problems. But as you said, we have problems here in the United States, mm. and we need people to focus on what's going on here. I think in some ways this war in the Ukraine, I wonder if it's a distraction. It's a distraction yeah. from— These horrible economic policies that we have right now that are causing massive inflation. It's a distraction from uh, Joe Biden's obvious dementia. I mean, this guy can't govern right now. Right. And
1: so. But what's what's everybody talking about? Ukraine. Ukraine. Ukraine, Right.
2: Just, you know, just as everyone was starting to wonder, you had Democrats saying, I don't think Joe Biden's fit for office. Now, suddenly we have a war to distract everyone else.
1: Yeah, the the timing is is suspect, to say the least. We we, we botch Afghanistan. We pull out of there. We give Afghanistan back to the same people we went in to take it from. And then the COVID uh, starts to die out, starts to fade. The COVID panic starts to fade. People start saying, you know, I'm probably just going to start living my life like I was pre-COVID. And then all of a sudden, another war breaks out, and then all the attention goes uh, goes over to Ukraine, and, and Jameson, the, the 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 energy, the concern that is being centered toward and pointed towards Ukraine, it, it, it this is, it it puts people like us in a predicament, because if we say anything negative about Ukraine or how. Ah, uh, we need to focus on America. Then people say they throw out this straw man. Oh, you don't have a heart. Ah, uh, you must not care about a humanitarian crisis. but we've got we've got babies. We've got two year old babies in Chicago being gunned down in their bed at night from from bullets going through their house. And, and you got people dying you have the, the Chicago and other cities are like a war zone. And we've got the 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 representatives from those districts are flying to Ukraine, doing Zoom calls with the Zelensky, getting billions sent to, to, to Ukraine. But meanwhile, our own country is falling apart, and all people want to talk about is Ukraine. I think you're right. we got to focus back on this country because if we lose this, there's going to be nobody to help Ukraine. Yeah, that's right. And that's what that's people got to understand. If there's no America— then there's no let's send aid over here or let's let Samaritan's Purse, Christian ministry, private organization, send a plane load of supplies over here. Uh, none of that happens without America. But, Jameson, the last thing I want to get your uh, thoughts on is what are some of the key legislative items and topics that you see being pushed forth from a uh, from a Christian viewpoint in the next few years in state legislatures across the country?
2: Well, certainly we're going to continue to work on the life issues. We're going to wait and see what the Supreme Court does this summer with the Dobbs case. That'll give us a, an indication. I mean, it could it could be that we have basically a replay of the uh, abortion culture war at the state level in virtually every state. Hmm. So that's going to be interesting to, to watch and see how we deploy our resources. Um, certainly, one thing I'm watching closely are uh, two bills related to protecting the rights of young women in Alabama one is a bill to protect women prevent them from being sexually assaulted in their public school bathroom Uh, that bill has passed the Alabama House we're hoping that uh, that will pass the Senate they have another bill to uh, basically protect children from from transgender therapy and all this stuff you know you know they Basically, uh, they ruin their lives by making this these uh, decisions way too early and mm. without any kind of informed consent. Those bills are moving in Alabama, and um, they're going to become models, I think, for the rest of the country. So, ask listeners to pray for that, and if you're in Alabama, uh,
1: contact your lawmakers about that. Um, the, the last thing I want you to touch on: we got about 60 seconds left. Uh, we we talked at dinner last night about safe haven laws. Uh, tell our audience what that is and what purpose that serves, especially in light of a Bergerfell. I'm sorry, especially in light of the 15-week bill, the Mississippi case before the Supreme Court.
2: Yeah, so safe haven laws allow women that are facing a crisis pregnancy to basically find a safe place for a, a baby that they have, uh, once they have uh, basically um, had that baby you know instead of kind of dumping the baby in a dumpster you can leave that baby in a hospital and you're not going to go to jail for doing that so these are laws that uh, kind of provide um, an out for women that are in these situations but even more important are our pregnancy resource centers who can meet these women before they have the baby they're on the front line we're going to need to give more funding and resources for our pregnancy resource centers. Mississippi has a bill right now that uh, the legislature is looking at to provide a tax credit for pregnancy resource centers. That's a great idea that should pass throughout the country.
1: Yeah. Amen. Jamison, brother, thank you for the good work. Appreciate thank you. it, man. Glad you came on. Well, as I mentioned after Philip, there are good people in the country doing good things for the country. And so we need to be the church, the body of Christ must be, not be caught flat-footed should the supreme court overturn roe v wade or weaken roe v wade and allow states to regulate abortion and save lives there needs to be christians across the country ready to adopt ready to foster ready to do whatever we got to do to make sure that babies have a place to sleep at night jameson god bless all right afa at the core i'm walker wildman we have debbie wuth now with i voter guide on the core in just a few minutes stay tuned
0: What does the American Family Association stand for?
4: We believe
2: true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God
0: intends them to live. These values and more are part of our mission to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. We want to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training for cultural transformation. Thank you for standing with us as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values. In His Image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality.
3: I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up.
4: The testimonies very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away, or one that's caught up in same sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk
2: to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net.
4: Aria is suffering for the gospel. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Aria lives in the Middle East in a radical Muslim family. She accepted the invitation of a Christian friend to attend a weekly Bible study and eventually received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. She took her Bible study booklet home, hiding it in her room before her mother found it and gave it to her father. He beat young Aria nearly to death and called the officials to report her as an infidel. They took her to a remote cell where they assaulted her and the Christian friend and eventually let them go. Now these two women, they didn't grow bitter, they grew bold, and together they've seen hundreds come to Christ in the Middle East where it's nearly impossible to get a Bible. And that's why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to Bibleless believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20 every gift matched. Call 800-YES-WORD, 800-YES-WORD, or click SendBiblesNow.org. That's SendBiblesNow.org. And God bless you for caring.
2: AFA at the core podcast
0: are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the core on American family radio.
1: Welcome to the core here on American family radio. Glad to have you back with us. By the way, we are live streaming the video on Facebook on AFA at the core's Facebook page. We're also live streaming the audio online at AFR.net on the American family radio app and uh we are still kicked off of youtube and i'm just terribly disappointed i'm sad i can't sleep at night i have tears in the morning from my uh, from my grieving bobby so uh i
0: was wondering what was keeping me up
1: <laughs> uh so uh youtube didn't like uh something about the show last week so they yanked us uh for about two weeks so we'll have to fight another day and uh, uh we're actually I would say at the halfway point if not further in building out our own live streaming uh, feature on our streaming platform so stay tuned for that I know I've been talking about that for a couple months but sooner or later uh, sooner rather than later we'll have that live streaming feature up and running hey we have another special guest our last special guest for the show today Debbie Wethnow, president of the I voter Guy division of AFA action and the vice president of AFA action Debbie welcome to the studio
3: glad to be here in person
1: Yes, it is. Good. Every other time we talk, we're on Zoom or on a phone, cell phone. So good to have you in studio. And you just can't replace face-to-face. Nope. Nothing like it. Yep. Communication is so much easier face-to-face. So here we are. Uh, Debbie, give our audience a little backgrounder about your time at iVoterGuide, how you ended up there and kind of where we are now.
3: Uh, I ended up at iVoterGuide in 2011, and it really was a God thing because before that time, I was a stay-at-home mom. I spent 20 years at home raising my kids. And when my daughter started college and I was glaring at this empty nest, I knew God had a plan for my life, but I didn't know what it was. Mm. So I said, God, just show me an open door, an open window, what you want me to do. I know you've planned in advance what you want me to do, but I don't know what it is. And I asked my Bible study teaching director to be a reference. And she came back to me and said, you know, my husband programs this online voter guide and he's been complaining at the dinner table that he needs somebody to help him with technical stuff. And I know you've got a master's in computer science and he said he could train you and bring you current if you wanted to help. And to me, that was the open window that I had prayed for. So came on board.
1: Who who was the computer guy? Which Jim Snariger. It was Jim Sniriger? It was his
3: wife, Cheryl, that was my teaching director.
1: Wow. And what year was that? Uh,
3: 2011.
1: Okay. So you've been with Guide ever since then. Yep. Um, guide is an online voter guide, one of the best in the country, if not the best in the country. voter is one of the most in-depth. Tell our audience what makes it special, what makes it unique, and what makes it something that we're very proud of.
3: It's uh, unique because it's data-driven. We have a philosophy that's more important to look at what a candidate does than at what they say they're going to do. Candidates know what you want to hear to get elected, Mm -hmm. but we look at what they've done because too often they say one thing and then they turn up and do a different thing. So we look at the data. We look at who they've given money to, um, even as an individual, as well as who have they accepted money from while they're a candidate. We look at if they've ever held office, how how have they voted on bills? Um, how have they been scored by different uh, groups that score candidates, both liberal and conservative groups? We uh, gather all their endorsements in one place. We let them answer in a survey questionnaire. But what, what's really unique about Guide is it's not just that survey. We take all that data and then we have volunteers that we vet, that we train, we tell, th- teach them what to look for. They do a deep dive on each candidate. They read through their Facebook, they read through their website, they read through their Twitter. And then they, you know, we've taught them what to look for and they help us assign a rating to each candidate. So that's that rating is really unique. Nobody does that. Every candidate is scored on a seven point scale from verified liberal to verified conservative. But yet we and we give that to the voters. It's personalized. So it's easy to use. Go to iVoterGuide.com. You enter your voting address. You just see the races that are on your ballot and that little gauge for every candidate. And so it's personalized. It's easy to use. and it. it but yet all the data is there on the back end. So it's not just an, in, you know, and it's not an endorsement list either. But the, you can check for yourself. And in the yes. primary election, that's really important because that's where it's harder to find information about candidates. And frequently. there's
1: typically so many of them.
3: <sighs> it's scary this year how many candidates are running because of all the open seats Democrats are, are you know retiring or not not choosing to run mm. so we're seeing a great number of an increased number of candidates that are running which means there's going to be a more need for information
1: yeah and and to your point about candidates um, mainly or sometimes uh, politicians running on what what their voters want saying what their voters want to hear and then getting an office and squirming and wiggling and not necessarily doing what they said they would do A prime example of this this was last week when Robert O'Rourke, I'm not going to call him Beto because that's not really his name. Uh, His name is Robert O'Rourke, and he's a congressman out of Texas. But anyway, he was at this town hall in Texas, and he said, uh, he said, yeah, I don't think CRT, I don't think critical race theory should be taught in our schools. And I go, wow, Robert O'Rourke and I agree that CRT shouldn't be taught in our schools, but I would almost bet you probably 100 bucks that the pollsters ran the surveys in his district in Texas and told Robert that, hey, CRT is widely unpopular in your district, so if you want to have a chance of winning, you better make a comment that you do not approve of critical race theory being taught because the rest of the Democrats are all in favor of it.
3: Yeah, well, exactly, and so that's why we do the deep dive. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, there's, there's this phrase, Republican in name only, that they sometimes vote against what true republicans would stand for what the platform stands for what yes. biblical christians want them to do but then they come back and they they campaign as a conservative yeah and well, they
1: sound great on the campaign trail
3: and they do but and voters will believe it because they're nice people you know i shook his hand he's got a couple of kids they look really nice yeah but we do the deep dive so you know that they really have not stood with us on on the issues, mm-hmm. and 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 that rate it's reflected in that rating.
1: And you know, uh, folks, I joke about how we all suffer from this long term memory loss, and we don't remember what the politicians did ten years ago, or even a year ago, or even a month ago, um, because everything's tied up in the news cycle and it changes, and everybody's attention's drawn different places. But the great thing about our voter guide is it goes back in their record uh, from five years, ten years ago, whatever their record is serving as a congressman or a city council member, whatever their record is that iVoterGuide researches, you can go back and look at that. And uh, and really, uh, uh, I just want to encourage the audience that iVoterGuide does the hard work for you. iVoterGuide does the hard work for you to where all you have to do is, go, as Debbie said, go to iVoterGuide.com, type in your address, your customized uh, uh, candidates, our ballot will pull up, and you can read... Uh, all the information right there in a simple format you can probably print it off as well email it to your family and friends uh debbie tell our audience what we're looking at for 2022 midterms when it comes to number of candidates so on and so forth
3: well i voter guide is growing this year because of our affiliation with with afa action we are expanding we um, will still cover federal candidates in all 50 states so we are nationwide you can share the link with your family and friend across the nation one url works nationwide But there are now uh, 35 states where we're going to go down ballot uh, and cover their statewide races as well as their state legislative races. So we're looking at, we think, we'd initially projected it'd be about 12,000 candidates. But we're seeing candidate counts that are uh, anywhere from 15% more than we expected to up to three to four times what we expected. So it could be uh, that 12,000 could be a a low estimate of the number of candidates we're going to be researching.
1: Wow. Well, I've got to ask this for our audience. I know a lot of answer these questions, but our listeners don't. So that's what I'm going to ask you. Um, this isn't a two man or three man show. Uh, you rely on hundreds of people across the country helping you, Much, many of them volunteers, helping the Guide team put this data together, evaluate candidates, so on and so forth. Give us a peek behind the operations of how many people are involved with this.
3: Well, on the iVertigred staff, we have between about 40 to 50 researchers. We've got a tech team that that's gathering all the data. We've got this unique proprietary database. We gather it all together, and that team is, you know, getting the candidates to answer the survey. They're getting the campaign finance data. They're getting the links to all those websites. And then it takes people like your listeners who are volunteers. Um, in 2020, we had 650 volunteers who vetted and tw- we trained them, and they evaluated the candidates. And that was when we looked at 8,000 candidates with this increased number we're looking for possibly 1200 volunteers who will uh, come alongside iVoterGuide and help us rate those candidates and it's it's a volunteer position you go to ivoterguide.com on the top menu in the word act and then you scroll down and you see uh volunteers a panelist or sign up as a panelist and we have a, a you it, it'll tell you more about what's required it's about 10 to 12 hours of your time from your own home on your computer doing a deep dive on the res- on the candidates there and then you propose an evaluation for yourself there are 3 to 5 other people looking at the same candidates and then you guys get together we facilitate that meeting on Zoom and we discuss every candidate to come to a consensus of what's the accurate evaluation on that candidate based upon the publicly available data that we've got
1: yeah this is this is excellent folks and i can't encourage it enough um, but he- here's a call to action for our audience because we've got listeners out there and they're getting all excited They're getting pumped up like I am about taking back this country and uh, they say well What do you want me to do? Well, uh, you can go to iVoterGuide.com right in the top right hand corner of the menu bar You click the act button and then uh, scroll down just a little bit and there's a tab that says become a panelist You can go through there click learn more enter all your information and find out what you need to do to become a volunteer uh, panelist for I guide so that's what you can do now uh, what uh, Debbie we already have primaries going on we had one what a week or two ago in first, Texas in, the, May, March 1st and so tell our audience well a little bit about the how the primaries work when they when they how long they'll go until and then we have the general
3: well let me start by saying how important the primary is because uh, the way that districts are drawn, 80, 85, maybe 90 percent of legislators, both in Congress and at the state level, are actually elected in the primary because the districts are drawn to favor one party over the other. So by the time you get to the general, the dist- it's pretty, pretty well determined which party is going to be the victor. So if you really want to have a say vote in the primary. Can't vote unless you're not registered. You got to go to iVoterGuide.com. We'll give you a, make it easier for you to register. Um, and then if you sign up for our email list, we'll let you know when we release the voter guide in your state. Uh, the next big batch of primaries start in May, and there's about 30 primaries in the next 30 to 60 days. They range from May through August, um, and then the general election in November. So, uh, you know,
1: get now, involved. <laughs> now is the time, the time to have your voice heard. All right, folks, iVoterGuide.com is the website to find out all the information you need to know. But, folks, we need you out there. We need you not only utilizing the voter guide, voter guide but becoming a panelist, being involved. And we even need uh, workers at the poll. Uh, not only can you be a, a volunteer at the election or the poll location, but you can also work for the local uh, elections office running uh, polling locations. You can do that uh, by just contacting your local election uh, commission or your local uh, election office, Debbie Wethnau. Thank you for coming on. My pleasure. All right, that's Debbie Wethnau with iVoterGuide and iVoterGuide.com is that URL. Well, uh today is is a very special day here at American Family Association. We are having our first Biblical Worldview Training Seminar. We've got about uh, forty or fifty. Uh, I've guide uh, panelists and their spouses and others, and I've already got employees here in uh, Tupelo, Mississippi, at our national headquarters. Uh, and what we're wanting to do here with AFA Action, with American Family Association, etc., is we're wanting to train you, uh, the Body of Christ, to be salt and light uh, wh- wherever you are, whatever your specialty is, whatever your trade is, whatever your o- uh, occupation is. And uh, just like Philip Dragey said in the first segment. Um, God uses people he uses his people no matter where they are placed so you don't have to be a senator you don't have to be a congressman uh, you don't have to be president of the United States to you don't even have to be a talk show host Uh, you can be um, uh, in in any trade in any occupation and, and as long as you're involved in the local body of Christ involved in what's going on around the country then you can make a uh, maximum impact. I want to leave our audience with some words of encouragement on uh, the reason the show is named AFA at the core. We started this show and we were all sitting around. There was a a gentleman that works here named uh, Jason Tross, and we we couldn't figure out what to call this show. (laughs) And we went back and forth on names. Uh, Some people wanted to go back to AFA Today, which is a a previous show that my grandfather used to host uh, with others here on the network. But Jason Tross, uh, a man of a few words, kind of a quiet gentleman, he said, uh, what about AFA at the core? And it just stuck. And and, and everybody was like, that sounds great. Uh, and, and I tried to claim like it was my idea and it wasn't. <laughs> but it was Jason's idea for AFA at the core. But the, the reason we call it the core is because of our core values, what drives our work here at American Family Association and American Family Radio. And here's our core value. Or core values, evangelism, And discipleship, AFA aims to evangelize the lost and disciple the believer. That's our first core value, and it's in that uh, number one place for a reason. Marriage and family, AFA aims to strengthen biblical marriage and equip parents to raise godly children. Morality, not just general morality or whatever you say is moral, but AFA believes that true morality flows from biblical principles and directs people to the manner in which God intends them to to live. Our fourth core value, sanctity of human life. From conception, not, not not from birth, from conception to natural death, AFA upholds the truth that all human beings are created in the image of God and are worthy of life, liberty, liberating their pursuit of happiness. The fifth core value, stewardship. A- AFA believes that its ministry as well as everything in the heavens and the earth, belong to god and afa's role is that of a trusted manager the last core value religious liberty afa believes that all men and women whether in private or public should be free to exercise their faith without hindrance from the government that drives our work that is what we exist for Uh, that's why the show is called afa at the core i'm walker wildman glad to have you with us today check out our website afr.net and we'll see you next time